Welcome to the underground. Turn me up, bitch! My Little Underground with Peter A. It's My Little Underground. I'm Peter A. Make sure you're subscribed anywhere you get podcasts. And be sure to follow me on socials at MLU pod you can also support my little underground for as little as one dollar a month link is in the description and over at peteraradio.com today on the show we have olivia bradley skill who is the music director of wfmu 90.1 fm if you're in jersey or in the five boroughs and worldwide on wfmu.org we talked about her show radio ravioli that airs every monday 301 to 6 p.m and her brand new show, Radio Row, which features a different guest DJ every week. And I'm one of those DJs, so you can listen to me on WFMU Radio Row tomorrow, 5 to 6 p.m., WFMU.org. Now let's bring in Olivia Bradley-Skill, music director of WFMU, right here on My Little Underground. Okay, Olivia, how did you discover... WFMU. I figured out about FMU when I was in college. So I'm from LA and I wasn't really into radio a lot. My parents love music. They're big music people, but they weren't like constantly paying the radio. And I didn't know any like cool stations in other states or whatever. So when I was in college, I went to Princeton in New Jersey and we had a big college radio station there. And um, our educational advisor, he was kind of like our like mentor the adult mentor he had done radio at Princeton like in the 90s and then he had been at FMU for a a little bit and then he left there and came back and was just like an advisor to students so he knew about FMU from there and he was always like talking about FMU using FMU as a reference point of things we could do and it was in our state too it's in New Jersey so it was just like a cool like aspirational thing And um, when I graduated college, I kind of needed like a little bit of a break. Um, It was such a big experience for me, college radio. (laughs) Uh, I needed like a big break from it. Um, But then I ended up volunteering at FMU, like not not super long after that. Yeah, I I discovered FMU in in a similar way. I was doing college radio as well. And someone I interviewed told me about FMU because... They thought that, oh, you would love it because this is what you do. That's kind of what they do. I'm like, huh. And I listened to it and I was like confused and interested at the same (laughs) time. It was so weird. My biggest thing about FMU when I first started listening to it, because I was, you know, a professional, haha, with my pinky (laughs) up, right? So (laughs) when I'm listening to it, I'm I'm like, uh, I don't know what any of these songs are. Nobody's back selling or front selling or anything like that. So, but I like this stuff, but I don't know any, I have no context, but that, that wasn't every show. Then I got into Sheila B show, Sophisticated Boom Boom. And I was like, yeah, this is it. This is the show. This is the thing I should be listening to every week. Yeah. I mean, her show is amazing. And, um, she was already there when I was like listening all the time, but I guess I was kind of like bread on that model of FMU where it's like a little bit um, like in its cool zone and you're like, we just play whatever we want and our taste is so expansive and cool and amazing. And it doesn't matter if you know what I'm playing or if you don't. Um, but when I hear Sheila's show, I feel like it's so 
it is really different. It's a breath, breath of fresh air. Like it's so vulnerable sometimes and it really expands your ear of what pop music could be. Um, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I think I, I was definitely bred on the FMU model of like, these are my cool jams and um, it's all about me and my experience um, and not necessarily yours, but I kind of, I've been learning to like breathe more of my own life into the show and show more of myself definitely as she she is a model for that but yeah oh yeah absolutely especially if you're like really into music you're, you're if you're a music geek especially so how did you work your way up to music director so i started volunteering at fmu in like 2017 and then or 20 late 2016 early 2017 and then i got a show um, kind of randomly. And I was just hanging out there <laughs> a lot, kind of like forming my schedule around being able to do a show every week. And I was when I first started, it was like at 3 to 6 a.m. And it was in the middle of the week. So I kind of had a lot of part-time jobs to make that work. Um, and yeah, that just, I mean, it was kind of like the right time, right place. I was working my butt off trying to do part-time jobs. And like, I don't come from money. So I in order for me to make a show work like that, I had to like really hustle in other parts of life. So I was tired from hustling and I was kind of at the right place in my life and FMU's world where a job opened up and I applied and I had done, I had been the music director at my college station and um, it just felt like I got to jump on this. So tell me about the music director role for a freeform station and how does it compare to your music director experience on the college radio level? So, okay, what do I do on a daily basis? I um, My week is kind of revolved around receiving physical mail, music in the mail. So every Tuesday I get a gigantic bin of, or mail tub or two mail tubs of music and different CDs, different LPs, and I process them, I go through them, and I try to figure out if they would get airplay at FMU, and who would play them, and if we're going to pass on it. And then um, we have a physical new bin at FMU, where it's just like a tub of new music that DJs can check out and maybe play on their show. There's no requirement for them to play any of it, but people do like to check it out. So, um, I usually get it on Tuesday and then the new bin is in by like Thursday, Friday. And then I'm constantly like shuffling stuff out of the new bin into the library. At FMU, we have a huge, it's like a gigantic room. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's like a gigantic room full of CDs, full of LPs and seven inches and cassettes and weird musical objects. And um, so that's like a big part of my job is just maintaining the library and making sure that we're like refilling it with new music. And then um, there's just a bunch of like tiny things that come up at FMU. Um, I think that's the biggest difference between, so that job, that part of the job is pretty similar to what I did in college. But at FMU, um, there's just like more practicalities <laughs> of making a place run and we're a small paid staff. It's under 10 people. And so I have to, I'm just like picking up pieces of things that need to be done. So whether it's they need help with their fundraiser or they need, um, I need to organize an event to raise money or we have our gigantic record fair where we sell records and other people sell records and I help out with that. Um, 
So I think that, yeah, there's just a bunch. And now we have Radio Row, so helping out programming that aspect of it. Um, but yeah, does that answer your question? Yeah. So it's pretty much <laughs> similar to what you did in college, except, you know, FMU is a, is kind of a behemoth on the freeform level. Yeah, it's pretty similar to what I did in college, except um, it's way more overwhelming. <laughs> I mean, there's just way more stuff. Uh, there's way more music that comes in. It just seems like music in general is way more overwhelming than like with digital promo and stuff like that. When I was oh, yeah. doing it in college, we only really paid, we like never checked our email account and we only paid attention to physical stuff and we would just receive less stuff. It was less quality than we probably get at FMU, but we just got less of it. So um, now with trying to be on top of digital promo and on top of which labels actually send physical promo still, and there's just way more volume at FMU and it's all me. I used to have more people helping in college. It's all me. I've been there. In college, <laughs> yeah. I was not an official music director, but I did the role. Like I would, you know, filter through new music that comes in, try to filter it out through other guests, but it was more like, you know, at least in my college station, one of them, it was more like we're on our own islands. So I was the only one, I was filtering out music for me, for my show, and then I would chart what I was playing. So like promoters would hit me and say, Hey, did you like this new Arcade Fire album? I said, hell no, I didn't like that. <laughs> and like, you got to think about the station. I'm like, fuck the station. I'm the only person doing this shit. <laughs> Everything's going to go through me. Um, yeah, like, do you chart at FMU? It's kind of complicated. We go, I, through go, I go through phases of it, honestly. Um, and a lot of the times I'm kind of being like, I definitely have a mission when I'm charting. It's like trying to be disruptive. <laughs> I don't know who I'm disrupting or where, but I'm trying to chart people who I think nobody else would chart and things that are self-released and things that are really small labels. I just want to, I don't think it really, I don't care that much about like NACC, which replaced CMJ. Um, I don't care about the industry that much. I think that's like, that's not really FMU's purpose is to be like helping out in that way of things. It's mostly just like helping out artists in general. So I try to give like attention to people I like and people I think no one else will pay attention to or maybe got the record. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, I did the same thing. I did yeah. the exact same thing. I didn't really there, – there would be a few, like, big ads that I would throw on because I, I organically liked them, not because, oh – all the other stations are playing them. Let me know. But I was the only one, at least at the station I was working at throughout the, you know, the second half of my college career. Like I was the only one that really kind of understood it. And I had to keep explaining to people like, this is not, um, these aren't record labels. They're just promoters trying to, you know, get their clients charted because mm -hmm. as you know, like they hire artists or labels, hire these promoters to get the records charted. So, I knew the game, so I just I just put the people that I really, really liked. I didn't give a shit about what was popping or whatever. I didn't care. Yeah, and I think it's similar to me when I do the charts. I don't know if it's okay that I'm saying this, but I'm not really thinking about the station as a whole necessarily. I mean, I'm just thinking about, like, here's what I added this week to our new bin, and 
here's like the littlest labels that I added. You know what I mean? Like it's definitely a cherry picking for that part. So I guess I should say we do have monthly like heavy airplay that we send to FMU. There's like, um, you know, a bunch of labels on that list and promoters and, um, yeah, a whole listeners, I think apply to it as well. So we have like a monthly newsletter of new music and that is very honest. Like that's our heavy airplay. These are things that were played in the heavy category, played in the medium category, played in the light category. That's not me cherry picking at all. This and just in terms of like NACC and submitting like a weekly chart, um, I'm just making it up. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Awesome. That's very. That's true to what you're. You, that's a reflection of you and and the station as a whole. So. Yeah. Yeah. How do you get? Let's say if you get new music and there's a lot of shows at WFMU, like how are you able to like filter out the music to the talent or is it just, you just leave it there and you just see what people are going to take or, and you just, you kind of, whatever they're playing, you get that information from the talent from what music they're playing. So you can chart or what, like what, what do you do? Yeah. So we have like a little, we have these little um, post-it tape. Um, it's like this white post-it tape. It's a long piece of white tape that you can easily peel off. And um, I add, I put that on every CD, LP, 7-inch, whatever that goes in the new bin. And DJs literally go through that. I mean, we're in pandemic time, so no one can enter FMU building. But um, in normal times, DJs will go through that. Maybe they spend a half hour going through it. Maybe they spend like two or three hours going through it and listening to things that they are interested in. And then if they end up playing that on their show, then they'll put their signature on the little post-it tape. And then um, I can use that to kind of tally things. And then I also um, will like search artists that are in the new bin. We have like a pretty good playlisting software at FMU on our website. So I can search artists and see how many times their album got played and that's usually a pretty good indicator too. So I use those two methods, but DJs do really go through the new bin and I write like tiny descriptions on them. Um, just to, like, uh, keywords on them. And, uh, just like, cause it can be overwhelming because a lot of the stuff <laughs> it's unknown to you and it's unknown to us. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, yeah. A lot of the DJs like don't necessarily know this random artist. So I just do like keywords, hip hop, pop, rock, soul, some, things like that. And um, people will go through those and decide which ones would be good for their shows. Do the talent at, come to you for recommendations? Um, not really. No, <laughs> people don't usually come with me. people come with me, come to me with suggestions that they have, like, have you checked out this record? Or I think this should be in the new bin. But people don't usually come to me and, and ask me to help them out. If they did, I would certainly but <laughs> I don't think most people I'm kind of a newbie in terms of FMU staff. Um, most people have been there forever. So they I don't I think they trust their own opinions and I trust them and I would never like impose on them. <laughs> so let's talk about your experience in college radio at WPRB Princeton university overall, how would you, I can't say rate, but what can you say about your experience overall in college radio? Okay. Um, it was really 
it's complicated. It was really amazing for me. It changed my life. Um, I, like I said, I went to Princeton and that experience was like very traumatic in some ways. I hated it and it was like, it really hurt me. <laughs> it really was like the people there were very difficult and um, it took me a while to find myself there. So um, college radio was a savior because it was a place I really felt comfortable and passionate about. And I didn't know I was into radio until that moment. Um, my only negative that I had with it, I would say, would be um, just this cool factor. And this there was a lot of like self-censoring that went on where I almost like um, had to like cut off limbs of myself of things that I was into radio into music before I did radio and then I realized this isn't cool enough no one can know that I like this never mind <laughs> and so I would like kind of silence those parts of my taste and it's taken me a while to actually like come around again and be more open about things that I like that are like not necessarily cool to like you know what I mean um so there's it's complicated in that way, but overall it was really amazing and I liked it a lot. As far as getting into, go ahead. It was a space where like I had full control. So like I got on the board there, I was in the student board as music director. And, um, I think I was like a fundraising person too. And, um, I just had like complete say and control over something. And that was really rare for me as a young person. Like no one, Everyone else was telling me what to do, and there I, I got to call the shots. And um, so, like, the freedom in that space and the physical space that was just, like, a sigh of relief compared to all the other buildings on campus, that is, to me, like, what sticks out as the most important in my mind. Did you did you like the, like the music aspect, the, <laughs> yeah. the actual radio <laughs> broadcasting aspect, or just the community aspect of college radio? What was your... I guess the the biggest thing about college radio for you? It definitely opened up my mind and my eyes and my ears to what music could be. Um, So yeah, I definitely loved the music aspect. It was like all this crazy stuff that I'd never heard before. And um, so that was wild and amazing. And I think we were all kind of striving for something like bigger. Like we're all kind of like trying to expand our taste a little bit. Um, So that was really cool. And you know, there's a cool factory factor, but I don't think, and people were like a little snobbish about what they liked or whatever, but I think people were really like also just open eared and that was cool. Um, I'm trying to think, but the community aspect probably overweighed it, but the music aspect was cool too. And I was super shy, so it was hard for me to come on mic at first. I kind of went in just for music and to make mixtapes for friends and like create a playlist that sounded super cool and it was hard to like get used to being on mic. Yeah, of course, especially for someone who's shy, you know, but yeah, I I love the, you know, the music aspect of it and just discovering new stuff and just kind of showcasing it and kind of developing a personality, not like a, like a gimmick or anything, but just like how to like be personable, I guess. Yeah, it's really tricky, like speaking in a room by yourself, I think. And you kind of have to like psych yourself up for it or figure out how to do that, right? Yeah. 
and it just it just it comes from like my love of music because I did a music show, so I like music. I like talking about music, so talking on mic about music kind of made it easier for me. Mm, yeah. Did you did you do the CMJ festival at all? No, I didn't. I we were like, isn't that in New York City? Yeah, yeah. So I was like. I was just like lame in college. We would go, we were um, like, we were in New Jersey, but we also considered ourselves more associated with Philadelphia. So I would go to Philadelphia for things um, or like New Brunswick had like basement shows. I mean, you know, it was like very DIY and very punkish. Um, and I didn't, um, and I really was broke and I had no money. And so it was like expensive for me. I think it was like maybe I could be exaggerating, but however much it was to go on the New Jersey transit to Manhattan and then being there, it was just overwhelming. And I, I didn't like that aspect. So I never went, really went to New York when I was in college. I was in New York and I never went to a CMJ show ever. <laughs> <laughs> so, and a lot of the acts that I liked were, were playing there, but I just never went. It, it was, I guess, the money factor or the laziness factor. Yeah, right. It was, I just also... Even when I was in college, we didn't really like CMJ that much. <laughs> and we were kind of rebelling against that as well. And um, I would kind of do the same thing where it was like a disruptive chart. Where I would be like, oh, this is what I'm going to chart. Because if you charted really popular things, they would also be annoying about it too. Promoters would be like, oh, I see you charted arcade fire what you would love this too right so i don't know i just didn't like dealing with that aspect yeah i noticed that when i charted the most obscure things no one someone would say (laughs) yeah they wouldn't say anything like unless like if you put yeah they would ask you can you like put this up on here whatever and sometimes i'd be like okay because i like the thing that they wanted me to play but if i didn't like it i'd be like nah fam it ain't gonna happen yeah did you ever participate in College Radio Day? No, I don't think so. What is called? When is that? <laughs> oh, it was. Uh, it started about ten years ago in 2010, and it was just an entire day where college stations around the country would do like unique programming, and it was just a, a like a day of solidarity for different college radio stations. It was really cool. Oh, because that's cool. Yeah, because we got to like just do really put ourselves in a situation to think outside the box even more so because that's what college radio was to me. Like I was all about whatever is happening on commercial radio, let's do the opposite. So now it was the time to be even more quirky and stand out even more. And now like there's a whole larger potential audience to, to, to gain because many different college stations around the country were doing a similar thing. Like for example, they had Vinylthon and each college, participating college station would be playing vinyl like either all day, 24 hours or just like an hour or two. And I did it and let me tell you Olivia, it was one of the coolest things I've ever done in radio and I've been on commercial radio before. It was so cool. I looked forward to College Radio Day every year. It was so oh, much wow. fun. Yeah, it was so cool. I should tell um, like people at my college station about that. I don't think we really knew about it. Um, so, yeah, I don't think we ever did anything with that. We did go to CBI. Did you ever do that? No, I did IBS. What's that? That was that was in New York City. That was the intercollegiate broadcasting system. And oh, okay. 
yeah, a bunch of people in the, in the industry would come and have conferences and stuff like that. It was like an all day thing. It was amazing. It was so cool. Yeah, I thought CBI was really cool. I mean, it was a little bit odd because some people, or not odd, but it was a little bit like not in my zone because some people there were really trying to do like commercial broadcasting and or like journalism. Um, like yeah, news exactly. Journalism. Same thing. So it was a little bit not my zone, but um, just in general, it was cool to see all the different stations like around the U.S. and what they were doing and what they were up to. And it was pretty eye-opening. Did you not want a career in radio or in the music industry at all? No, not really. So there was a music director at my college station, and he had tried to apply for promoter jobs, and he found it really difficult. And so I was a little bit like wary of his experience with things. And I just didn't really like promo stuff. like So I didn't really see myself fitting into that mold. I tried to do – or I did have an internship like at The Moth, so that's kind of like public radio-y. Um, but I kind of was like, maybe I'll find like a cool community station like FMU or like like somewhere in New York City. I don't know what I'll do, but maybe I could do something like that. Um, otherwise, I'm not really that interested. So yeah, and there's, there's not a lot of like, I mean, there are community radio stations in New York that are based on the internet, but there's not a lot that's... FM, you know, that like FMU is so crazy because it is so freeform and it has this frequency that reaches Jersey and in New York, because I'll be driving in Brooklyn and I'll pick up FMU. I'm like, this is really cool. I yeah, love it. Yeah, it hits parts of Queens too, I think, the signal. Yeah, yeah. Like if you go further, like I'm in Long Island and if you go, actually, uh, in my town, there's certain parts that I pick up the FMU signal. It was, oh wow, that's crazy! Yeah. yeah, it's so it's so nuts. Oh my um, god! Yeah, I hope you guys are able to like you know get a bigger wattage soon because FMU was like super important. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> no, it's it definitely it's kind of weird how things turned out. But I think when I graduated college, I was looking for more like arts things because I knew I couldn't really. I just am not that interested in a lot of radio things. And I think I have like a lot of, like I said, I'm super self-conscious, super shy. And so like, there's a lot of barriers between, I never saw myself like jumping into commercial radio because it was like, eh, that's probably not my speed. Um, way too like self-deprecating for to, <laughs> to think that could be my world. Um, so, and I always looked up to FMU and um, that, yeah, I'm lucky that I, got to be in a place that I looked up to and I, I enjoyed the place I looked up to. Tell me about Radio Ravioli. It airs every Monday, 301 to 6 p.m. WFMU. So give me the elevator pitch. Oh God, no. <laughs> um, so it's in a weird spot right now. It's transitioning. When I started it was like really collage place. I would play stuff at the I would play many things at the same time and be mixing them in real time. And um it's not really like that as much anymore, but I think it's it's very like I love like tender electronics, intimate electronics, I think I'd call it. Um, I love like yeah, like expressive electronic music. And then I grew up listening to like 
R&B pop soul stuff. So that there's like some of that sprinkled in. There's like random radio art or sound art, people like just doing crazy things with sound. Um, I like spoken word things. This isn't an elevator pitch, but (laughs) um, it's really like, it's almost like a kaleidoscope of sounds and like really like texture based and like mood based, if that makes any sense. It does. Uh, Cause I listened, <laughs> I listened this past week and I was, I was amazed cause it was very creative. Like you, you would introduce yourself and then there'll be these kind of reverberations of your voice. And it was just like, what am I listening to right now? And then you'd play a, a few songs and you would tell me what, what was going on, what the theme was. You did a glass theme recently. And I'm like, this is what freeform radio is. It's very freeform. You're not trying to mimic anything or anybody. It was great. Yeah, I started doing the intro lately and that's been fun. Um, it's like a way for me to kind of like set the tone before it starts. And, you know, like I said, I'm like looking for ways to ex- show more of myself. So I used to really hide and like produce things and really like not speak at all and like let the music do all the talking. And then I was like, but people don't really know why I'm doing this. Like maybe the, these things need to be explained. You know what I mean? <laughs> maybe I need to show more of myself and be more generous like with myself. And so um, that's kind of where the spot that I'm at right now is trying to figure out like how to show myself more. Do you have a theme every week? No, no, <laughs> not really. So I, I lately in the last like few months, especially with quarantine, I've had a lot of guests on and a lot of like them, them doing like interviews with them and them presenting mixes. And that has kind of caused me to be more focused with my show where like I really am trying to say something or like their music or their conversation is inspiring me to go places with the songs that I pick. Um, before that it was just like, whatever. Um, so I have gotten a little bit more focused in my brain. Like, what am I trying to do with this show? Um, but I don't usually have like a theme necessarily. Tell me about the unique production elements of your show, like the the vocal effects and how does this work from a live in studio setting? Cause you're not doing your show in studio now, right? You're doing it from home. So I'm one of the lucky few who can still enter FMU, the building. And so I am doing it from FMU studio. Um, I'm not doing it from home, I guess. So for the intro, sometimes a lot of times that is pre-recorded. So I do that the same day, um, just like a couple hours before. And um, I'll just put reverb on. I don't try to spend too much time on it. I just kind of like to there's a one minute show before me and a guy going live before that. So it's a little chaotic. So if I can have it pre-recorded, it makes me a little bit like more sane and know where I'm going. Um, so I just put like reverb on my voice or sometimes I'll record things and like stitch them all together, just like in a, in a DAW, like a Reaper or something like that. Audacity, one of those programs. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's fun for me to play with the voice. And I guess one thing at FMU, like the people are really like, there's big personalities there. And it's inspiring to like hear them and be like, I really like hearing them. And so I'm trying to be the, more that way with my own voice. Like <laughs> maybe someone really likes me speaking. You know what I mean? <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, I listen to radio for the personalities now. Yeah, that's um, how I feel too, especially with all these mixes and you know, Pandora, Spotify, radio, whatever it is. Yeah, like especially in the industry, they tell us that, you know, it's all it's all personality and talent driven. You know, that's why they're listening to you because again, we can get music anywhere. That's not why we listen. Like when I did my show in in, in college, you know, I played a lot of obscure music, but um, I wanted people to, to get to know me and discover the music too. Like that was part of it. And I want you to listen to the show because you like what I'm doing here. Like I'm not trying to just get you to listen to something you already know and you can already get access to. It was always, it was always about being different. Wouldn't you say the same yeah, thing? I would definitely say the same thing. It's cause it, for me, it's like, um, like the connections that I'm making, even if I don't have a theme, maybe there's like a message or a mood that I'm creating that's like uniquely mine. And I just think like I'm, there's only one of me. So like only I can make these connections, you know? So I've focused on that a lot. I'd like, I try to value myself, <laughs> I guess is what I'm saying. I try to value my perspective and my just uniqueness, you know? Yeah. Tell me about the preparation for Radio Ravioli. How long does it take you to put the show together? So when I was having guests on in the last couple months, I would spend like a lot of time on some of these, like when it's stitching together an interview. So again, like because I I like to pre-record things and play with things and edit things um, and produce things basically – I would just would have like edit the heck out of these things and like throw in all this music and sound effects or not sound effects, like fun sound effects, which is, you know, different sounds and things. And so that would take me a long time. That'd probably take me like at least six hours just to do the interview. And that's maybe like 30 minutes to an hour. And then um, when it comes to putting music together, I think I'm looking for stuff throughout the whole week. And I'm also um, looking for stuff for, the music director role. So I'm listening to a lot of new music constantly, really. So there's a lot of stuff like happening in the background. And then on the day of, I probably spend like at least three hours working on it beforehand. Um, so it's almost like I'm always working on the show, <laughs> but <laughs> I think uh, on the day of, it's probably like somewhere from three to six hours, depending on how much I have to do that day. I was the same way. When I was doing freeform and college radio, hours that day, meticulously picking out what I'm going to play, make sure that the songs are clean and what I'm going to say about the songs. And it was a lot of work, but I enjoyed the work. It was a lot of fun. And same with this podcast. I'll spend a couple hours during the week doing research on the guests, booking guests, and it's all part of the creative process. And I love it. Yeah. And it's like, it's such a slippery, you know, it's weird with, I guess that's the right word. It's weird (laughs) working at FMU, a 48 hour work week, listening to FMU a lot of the time while I'm there, then also listening to new music constantly. It's very like immersive and um, it's kind of always like in the back of my head or or I come across like an article or um, like a personality or like, you know, I'm always kind of like researching for the show um, in a way, whether it's consciously or in the background. Okay. Tell me about Radio Row. 
Yeah, Radio Row. I'm so excited about this. So you're doing Radio Row on October 11th. Mm-hmm. Radio Row is like our guest visiting DJ show. And um, it's kind of a riff off of a show we had a while ago called The Listener Hour. And that was where we allowed any listener to come on in and dictate an hour of programming and try to do try to DJ and see what it's all like. And um, we stopped doing that just because it was a lot of work to put together. And I think a volunteer was doing that. And um, they had to be there in studio with the person. And it just got a little overwhelming for them. But we did get a lot of DJs, people who are currently on the schedule, um, started doing the listener hour. So we are like, you know, we're kind of in this moment of wanting to let new people in. Um, we've, we do have like regular schedule changes with FMU. So there are like always some new people coming in. But we just wanted to like open, create a spot on the schedule where people could come in and out and see what it's like. And they don't necessarily have to be listeners, like hardcore listeners who would apply for that. They don't have to be, they don't even necessarily have to know FMU that well. They, maybe they just DJ like in public or they DJ on a podcast or on the radio already. And we just want to, you know, just invite more people in. So that's why we started doing it. And, um, I don't know. I'm really excited about it. It's a, it's been a lot of work to put it together, but it, it's super exciting. I like I said, I love having guests on my show, and this I kind of like put that energy into the radio row show, where I can just work on welcoming new people in, and you know maybe they come back if they like the experience, they're welcome to do it again, or maybe sometime down the road they would be interested in doing a show or, or maybe not. Maybe it really is just a fleeting one, one time thing, you know? <laughs> I remember watching the WFMU documentary and one of the beastie boys, I'm not sure if it was ad rock or Mike D wanted to do a show in FMU, but then they were told that they had to volunteer and all this stuff. and You didn't want to do it, but he was really excited because he says he has a lot of records and I would love to hear what Mike D would spin from his or ad rock from their collection. Okay, so I've heard about this story. I wasn't there when the documentary was being made, and obviously I wasn't program director, music director when this happened. But So I heard this didn't actually happen because I think if he wanted to do a show, we would bend over backwards to make it happen. I just don't really buy that that's real. (laughs) And I heard from somebody else saying, I think there are other reasons why it didn't work out. But okay, the base of that is true. It is really hard, and it takes a lot of time and commitment to be an average DJ at FMU. Um, You know, a lot of times it's people who have volunteered there. So they, they know the station and they know people around and they've seen their face and that's why it comes up for them to DJ. Um, But there are people who have never DJed before or or never um, volunteered before, never really don't know the community that well. You know, they've heard of FMU, but they don't know people who are around. So, um, but yeah, it is true that it is hard to DJ, hard to get started and get involved. And, you know, with any community station, I think it is a real time commitment. And that's like impossible if you live in New York or the East Coast or in any major city in the U.S. Um, it's hard to like volunteer somewhere else in addition to your job. So that's kind of what this show is about, too, creating a space where they can try it out without having to jump through all the hoops. Yeah, I'm really excited for Radio Row because I've been thinking about all the stuff I want to play. 
and making sure I'm all good on the technical aspect of it and making sure the songs I really, really want to play don't have a whole lot of curses in it. So I'll be able to like take the curses out and audacity and what, and what have you. But I'm really excited to do this show. It's going to be so much fun. Are you doing one? I'm not going to do one for Radio Row, but um, I am inviting some – I want to invite one person who isn't on the schedule right now, and they used to do like a really intense one-hour show, a lot of editing, um, and I want her to try doing something else for Radio Row. Um, so that's a possibility too where people can maybe try something new in this space. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for everyone. And everyone that – we've only had one show – Today will be the second show of this new radio row, but I just think it's so fun to hear what people put together, and um, everyone. And it's fun to hear people on mic. You know, it's fun to like have some freshness in it. You get so used to everyone on FMU is great, obviously, and they are perfect at what they do. But um, it's so exciting to like hear a voice I haven't heard before on the station. <laughs> so I'm excited about that. Can you share some of the shows that are going to be happening on Radio Row? Yeah, let me see. So I just want to pull it up. So you're doing it. Um, my she was, she was actually on my show, um, this girl, C. Lavender, a woman, this artist, musician, sound healer, uh, C. Lavender. She's going to do like a more spooky mix the week after yours. Um, Adlin Jackson, he's doing it today. He, uh, writes for Pitchfork occasionally and has his own, like during pandemic, I know he's been doing some like internet radio stuff. So he's going to do that today. And he actually, um, went to college with me as well. So he did PRB with me. Um, and then, uh, Natalia did one, the first one, and she did really good, like a ton of Spanish music. And that was really fun. She DJs out in New York City all the time. And Bonnie is going to do like a Dia de, de los Muertos kind of set on November 1st. That's like the day before Dia de los Muertos, which is kind of, I think they consider that like the eve of the event. Like that day is a big day for it too. And she's going to be honoring, like just remembering people in her life who have passed away and you know we're in like such a time of death you know in a sad way <laughs> so many people are dying right now so she's kind of trying to find healing in everything that's happening um but Sheila B gave me a lot of recommendations for people and then I knew some people oh and no the, the month of December is going to be fun because those are going to be more like creative audio people um people who do like experimental podcasts and playing with sound in that way ariana martinez is one of them and james t green i love his stuff he has an experimental podcast and um, beck ferry who does radio in melbourne she does radio at triple r um so yeah it'll be fun it's kind of, that's kind of a cool thing too like bonnie and uh beck they both are totally out of the area. Like Beck is in Melbourne and Bonnie is in Texas. And so because of quarantine, I don't think we would have necessarily opened it up so far um, if it wasn't quarantine, but because of quarantine, it's made us a little bit creative because everyone has to do it remotely. So we're kind of like, well, we don't have to necessarily be, you know, nearby. It could be anyone really. 
this is really cool. I can't wait to be a part of it and to listen to some of these shows at all. Like, what are the dates for Radio Row? So it's every Sunday, 5 to 6 p.m. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm so excited. The next, it's kind of crazy because the next, like, three months are kind of all booked. I'm just waiting for them to, you know, roll in. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm so excited about it. <laughs> Cool. Wait, so it's every Sunday, 5 to 6? That's the Radio Row spot? That is the Radio Row spot, yeah. Oh, okay. I get it. That's really cool, Olivia. Thank you so much for coming on My Little Underground, and thank you so much for having me on Radio Row. Yeah, no worries. Mm -hmm. So where can people follow you? (sighs) Okay. If you want people to follow you. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm sighing because I'm just going through such a thing with social media. I'm kind of over it. Um, but I am still on it. I, I'm both Twitter and Instagram. I'm radio underscore ravioli. I haven't been posting that much lately and I don't know if I'll be posting again. I, you should, you have a show every Monday. I know. I'm just so exhausted by it. I just, I tried to, I tried to promote it and I get into these phases where I'm like doing it every week and it's so much fun and I get the likes and it's cool. But then I have moments where I just see like, really i just don't like looking at other people's social media and i hate like it's everything is so divisive right now and i at first during the pandemic and during like black lives matter protests there was a lot of like you know excitement about like people were really like sharing information online and now i'm just like over it it just gets performative too and i just Anyway, I don't know if this is interesting, but my you can follow me at radio underscore ravioli. <laughs> no, you're right. I Here's the thing, because I have two podcasts and I'm in the same boat as you. I don't like looking at whatever body's saying about whatever, unless it's like really, really important. But I just get on there. I tell people, here's what's coming on this week. And then a few days later, the show is up. Go listen. And then I go away and then I do the same thing. You should do yeah. that, like Monday morning, Monday, yeah. Radio Ravioli, WFMU, click, listen. I'm on right now, and then go away for a week and do the same thing. That's it. Yeah, you're right. I think it's – I just get caught up in it too. Like sometimes – like lately I was like scrolling all the time, looking at people's posts all the time, and then I needed like a detox, a break. And um, I just get – I'm a sensitive – I'm a sensitive soul. <laughs> so when when I get overwhelmed, I just need to and I'm kind of a loner. Like I don't I don't pose I, I don't do a lot. So <laughs> it's it's tough for me to do that stuff, to put myself out there. <laughs> and you're the music director of like one of the biggest freeform stations in the tri-state area. And I don't do I don't do much. I'm just the music director of WFMU, which a lot of people listen to. <laughs> I mean, I'm not trying to be like humble bragging or anything. I know. <laughs> I really am. I've grown a lot. I've gotten more, you know, intense. Uh, never mind. I'm not gonna. I should talk to my therapist about the rest of what I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> okay. How can people listen to WFMU? 
So even if you're not in the tri in like the New York, New Jersey area, you can look on WFMU.org. We have really good playlisting and really good like online broadcasting stuff. So it's like that is one step up from my college station to FMU. Like its internet presence is on point and is amazing you can listen to what's playing right now or you can listen to like literally any show i've done which is actually very embarrassing but you could go back to my first show that i ever did on fmu (laughs) (laughs) the archiving is really um really intense and really like we spend a lot of money to keep our archiving up um because that's really important for us important for artists i think we and important for the djs who put time into it and it's definitely the the name of the game now, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Say if somebody's not able to listen to your show three to six p.m., they can always go back and listen to it whenever they want. I think it's very important. You know, let's say if I'm working one day and I I miss Sheila B, I know if I go to wfmu.org, it's gonna be right there for me when and all the music that she plays, beautiful. Yeah, it's really crazy. I really like. I really value it. I think it, it's such a like, I'm trying to think. There's so many things that exist in this world, like because they're trying to get something, they're trying to like promote something, they're trying to make money off of something. FMU is just so rare that there's no end game. We just, it's like purely passion. You know, we, we're putting stuff up. We actually like spend a lot of money on things not because of like, you know, whatever thing it's going to get us just to help out artists and to help out the music community and DJs and not to like, you know, pat FMU on its back too much, but we really like sink a lot of money into our archiving stuff, into the website stuff, into just operations, like being on a frequency and being online costs money. So um, we really do like we have really good intentions, <laughs> which I think is really rare nowadays in 2020. <laughs> All right, Olivia, thank you so much. This is great. I got to have you on again. This is because there's so much more I want to talk to you about. I would love that. Yeah. Hopefully I didn't go off in any wrong direction. <laughs> nope. nope. No, it was nope. really fun. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm not used to being in this spot <laughs> and it's fun. <laughs> yeah. Great. I'm glad you have fun. Yeah.